Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. This is the Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on the hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there, and welcome to the hash on Coindesk TV. I'm Zach Seward. We got Will Foxley. We got Jen Sanassi. We're here to get you up to speed on everything happening in crypto here today on Friday, August 5th. I am starting us off. We had a funny little story that's developing, and it's kind of just taking a weird little plot twist. We heard this morning that Wazer X, which has long been known to be Binance owned, had its assets frozen by Indian regulators. But plot twist, Binance CEO CZ takes to Twitter later today, just before airtime to say, hey, guess what? We don't own Wazer X, even though we published a blog post way back in 2019 saying that we bought it. Apparently that deal never closed and the misunderstanding has endured ever since. So a couple of funny things here, we can discuss them both. I'm going to toss it to Will for his initial thoughts on this Wazirx situation. Yeah, I'll talk first about Wazirx, which is a pretty well-known exchange, especially for India, which has a blossoming crypto scene itself. Wazirx is probably like the number one exchange I hear about the most. I'm sure there's others as well. The reason this came to light, right, is because government officials in India are looking into a money laundering, which is a very common concern for cryptocurrency exchanges. We see this all the time. Uh, when we're looking at the actual money, it's about $8 million worth of money laundering uh, from a microloan platform that was then using Wazir X to facilitate moving money in and out of crypto so they could get that money, clean it up, and use it for whatever illicit purposes. At least that's the uh, alleged statements right now from the government officials in India. Why does this matter? Well, with the Binance tie here, Binance has always been within the regulatory spotlight, right? They've jumped from jurisdiction to jurisdiction over the last few years. They're the, large, the largest exchange. Uh, in the world for crypto. And uh, they have ties to so many different projects that it's really important whenever their name comes up, because I think that they're often uh, the face that government officials are trying to put their boot on top of. Uh, here, it seems that they're distancing themselves from it. It's really interesting that Binance said that they were involved with this. And then you know, three years later, they walk it back. And they walk it back at this moment and not in previous moments, right? There's been a lot of positive headlines for Wazirx over the last few years. And the fact that they're walking this back over a money laundering charge that's going on right now is really interesting. Jen, I want to throw this one over to you, get your take on it. 
Yeah, on the regulation front, I know when India announced that they were looking at more strict regulations on crypto, we said, you know, this could be a good thing because at least there is some clarity. But it sounds like regulators in India are coming down really hard on exchanges. And so I would love to hear more information on what's happening here. I was casting for a show that's focused on Bitcoin recently, and I was speaking to a young man in Canada who'd immigrated from India. And he said one of the main reasons that he immigrated is because of the heavy regulation on crypto and the kind of mess with the financial system and corrupt government. And so I am interested to hear more about what regulators are doing in India when it comes to the exchanges. On another note, the CZ tweets are kind of funny to read. One of them said, we've been trying to conclude the deal for the past few years, but it hasn't. A few issues in quotation marks, not easy to disclose. I mean, this blog post was published in 2019. And I would think that if you're having issues and you can't close this deal, you know, three years later, there should be an update to that blog post or some kind of communication. So something feels a little bit off here. But then CZ goes on to kind of appease to the regulators because we know that Binance hasn't had the easiest time with global regulators. He says, recent allegations about the operations of Wazir X and how the platform is managed are of deep concern to Binance. Binance collaborates with law enforcement agencies all around the world, and we would be happy to work with EV in any way possible. So I think CZ is just taking this opportunity to tell regulators, we play nice and we are not involved in this in any way, although it sounds like maybe they were involved just a little bit. Zach, I'll pass it back to you. Yeah, um, as a solution provider on the wallet end. So clearly something going on here. It's pretty weird. But yeah, the bigger picture here is that India remains an enigma when it comes to crypto regulation and their enforcement efforts. So the fact that Wazirx, which remains a very prominent company, as Will mentioned, in the Indian crypto scene is facing these troubles as it relates to local compliance, not a good sign for the Indian crypto scene more broadly. All right, let's change gears here. Let's do some things with Facebook, with Meta, and with an odd token that started pumping because of some recent news. Jen, take it away. So many elements here, so many buzzwords just in this one story. So NFT integration is live on Instagram now in 100 countries after an integration with Coinbase Wallet and Dapper. So there was a successful testing phase in May. Now, some Instagram users will be able to showcase their NFTs on the social media platform. On the news, Meta's price was down 1.07%, while Coin is up over 31%. And the Flow token, that is the token of the Flow blockchain, surged over 35%, hitting a high of $2.84. You can see there it's now at $2.73. Will, I am kicking this down to you. NFTs on Instagram. Although I feel like you're going to focus on the price of coins. So you just take it whatever way you want to go. Wow. We're going to profile what I'm going to say before I say it. Fair enough. Yes. Uh, I actually am going to go to price. (laughs) (laughs) Just leading me on, Jen. Not cool. Uh, No, I I think this is funny from a price perspective because it's like back to the good old days of the bear market where like random coins will pump for random reasons. Not truly random, right? Meta getting involved with any sort of cryptocurrency would necessarily pump that token quite a bit. But it is funny to see us back in the bear market paradigm where some tokens are just going to pump regardless of the rest of the market. Bitcoin's not moving anywhere. Ethereum's not moving anywhere. Any of the top 10 coins are basically stagnant at this point. But you will see some of these smaller tokens pop whenever there's new headlines about projects going off. Uh, So it just reminds me of the good old days of 2018, 2019, 2020. We'll return there. The NFT spot or the metaverse spot here 
is definitely interesting. And Jen, really just like more claps to you for being on top of this NFT game, <laughs> Metaverse stories. Like it's only becoming more important. And it's just because corporations are getting behind it. Metaverse or Meta keeps dumping more money into this project. And now they're utilizing these cryptocurrencies and blockchains that have been built over the last three plus years, which honestly, I did not see happening, right? When Facebook wanted to create its own stablecoin, what did it do? It went and built DM. It went and built its own wallet. It went and built its own backend. They hired people from University College London. They went and hired a lot of people to go build consensus mechanisms. They've done a different approach here, right? They're using actual platforms that have been created by cryptocurrency and entrepreneurs and engineers over the last few years, which is not what I expected. I expected an acquisition or I expected them to build it in-house, but it seems that they're going to use some of the projects that are out there. Zach, to you. Thesis-driven investing. This one, I don't get it. It's like, okay, hmm, there's some NFT thing with Meta. And we saw this actually before, right? We're like mana pump because like Facebook said Metaverse one time. So this yeah. sort of like <laughs> loose connections are like, you know, let me like think about this. Like, you know, like people sort of pretending to be like gigabrains, but maybe not so much pumping these tokens for seemingly unrelated matters. It's interesting. I guess it's a feature of the market, maybe not a bug, but it is wild to see Flo be the unexpected beneficiary of this news. Hey, maybe there's a secret tie up somewhere that has been circulating. Maybe some rumors are out there that this is going to be a potential solution. But as it stands now, I don't get it unless I'm missing something from the coverage. I just don't get it. It ran into some buy pressure. <laughs> that was a fantastic turn of phrase by Amkar on that one. But it's interesting to see how these things unfold in the crypto markets. Will, back to you. Yeah, I want to talk about the integration with NFTs and Instagram, as I understand that they're doing that now, according to the Mark Zuckerberg blog post that was put out. And that was a huge point for Twitter when they allowed NFT integrations beforehand people are really making fun of NFTs. Like there was no practical use case besides flipping JPEGs and making money on top of people. And then once the Twitter integration came about, like you had a defendable product. It might be silly to most people and it like still sort of is, right? It's like, oh, nice profile pic. How much did you spend on that? People care about it though, a lot. And on Instagram, I see that only accelerating, right? So Jen, I want to get your take on it. Like does this increase not only brand awareness of like top JPEG projects out there, but also give like more force to NFTs going into a bear market? I think it's interesting, right? Because we talk about this mainstream appeal. We talk about how are we going to bring the next billion users into Web3? And Facebook already has billions of users, right? That's where the users are now. We say like, oh, people aren't really on Facebook, but that's just not true. We're still on Web2. People are on Instagram. That's where most creators make their money, you know, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. And so I think allowing NFTs to be displayed on Instagram brings that next billion users. And if we can imagine it this way, imagine all creators who make a living off of Instagram can then NFTize their posts. They then have the ability to see how their content is used. It gives them that extra data, those extra analytics so they can continue creating and they can be paid for the work that they use. Like right now, it's so easy to still work online. There are Web3 platforms that are trying to solve this, but the problem is users and the users are on Instagram. So I think that this is kind of exciting. And I think that Facebook is thinking about it in the right way. The users oh, really? really are on Facebook. They really are on they're Instagram. They're on Facebook. They're, they're there. there. As sad as that may be, they are there. We just don't want to and talk that's to that's a them. good thing. It's okay. All right. <laughs> Let's change gears. Let's go to the annals of crypto venture capital investing. Will, what do you got? Circle time. Let's talk about USDC and Circle, which is the company behind USDC. They've made two investments in two recently hacked projects. That's Nomad, which was exploited for $200 million about two weeks ago. 
and then Slope Wallet, which was exploited for us. $6 million last week. These are two very large hacks uh, at the tail end of a bear market. And they're important for not only Circle because they invested in these projects and they have this very important regulatory intense product with USDC, but also because they're trying to go public perhaps within the next year. And having these big hacks on their track record is perhaps a blemish. Uh, perhaps not, though. On the other side, a lot of these projects are really hard to do. They're hard, really hard to build. Nomad was noted for being a very good bridge product, and it got hacked. Why? Well, bridges are very, very hard to make. And then the Slope Wallet project, that one, we're still kind of gathering the pieces of what actually happened. But that one looks a little bit more nefarious or maybe just a case of ignorance or uh, poor planning and building uh, for that team. For Circle, though, definitely a tough look. Zach, to you. I don't get this headline. I don't get this story. I don't Zach get the guilt by association Zach. here. I am befuddled, <laughs> sir. What is this story? Like, okay, they invested <laughs> in two things and the two things like both kind of like shat the bed in the last week or so. Let's make a story. I don't well, get no, it. I want to push back, I wanna push back on headline. this. Okay, go for it. So it's fair to say like you don't have as much insight into the projects you're investing in, but that is a common knock on crypto venture capitalism, right? There's only a few projects and VCs out there that VCs are actively engaged with their teams on. Typically, they throw money at things and then they walk away. And oftentimes, those projects fall apart and they dump on retail in the process. I mean, we had that great story from Danny Nelson yesterday about this project Sabre on Solana that has basically been flipping coins just to create a lot of fake volume for Solana. And nobody knew about it for you know months to years at this point. So I do think that a lot of VCs out there they get away with not helping out their teams. And then those teams have problems and issues. And those teams are just out there floating by themselves. And it's only like the rare few VCs out there who are really working with their teams and looking into the code, helping them make decisions. Those are the people you want to work with. Zach, to you. Okay, that's fair. But there are a laundry list of projects in the history of crypto that have totally collapsed. And I don't know if that necessarily has much bearing on the investors that back them. Sure, in an ideal world, VCs would be delivering much value. They would have protocol teams and technical teams and governance teams and all sorts of teams that could help these founders get off the ground in a meaningful way. But just because that's not the case, and just because a couple of the investments that are listed on their website among, I think, about 15, just because a couple of them went south, doesn't necessarily reflect upon the investor itself. But I get what you're saying, Will, and maybe in an ideal world, firms would be able to provide a bit more technical due diligence, especially in the world of cross-chain bridging, which remains <clears throat> highly vulnerable. But Jen, I saw your hand. Go. I'm with you, Zach, on this one. I'm sorry, Will. I think it's wow. it's unfortunate. It's a narrative blemish, right? I mean, it didn't cause Circle any financial damage. I think that this will definitely be brought up again if Circle faces regulators, let's say, in the near future. I think that it will be brought up, but it's something that is easily explained away. And I don't think it's anything original from the VC side and from the crypto side. We see a lot of hacks, a lot of exploits. We're building and learning. It's still really early. And so I think it's a narrative blemish. But to draw the parallel that these two hacks, you know, have something really to do with the business structure of Circle and they're responsible is like a, it's a bad parallel to draw. I was looking mm, for, mm. you know, a better way to say that, but <laughs> well. You said it so well. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Okay, I'll play devil advocate just to, just to be fun here. I think this would be important if USDC funds, like the funds behind uh, that token as a reserve, were invested in these VC projects, but it doesn't seem like they are at all. Two different entities completely. So I think that could be like one misunderstanding of this headline. In fact, that's how I read it at first. I was like, uh, 
pretty bad if that was the case, but that's not the case at all. The second point, regulatory stuff, like if they do try to go public, like these questions are asked, I do think they can be easily explained away. The only thing I like about this article, though, is there there are a lot of VC projects that are just built, created, and then they run out and the VC stop caring after a while because they made their money and they keep running with it. There's a ton of projects like that. Think of Internet Computer, right? ICP, that launched a year ago or so, and it went immediately to zero. And a lot of the token holders who've been building it for years got out the top. They made a ton of money. A ton of investors made a ton of money. And the project has basically just been at zero. I haven't heard anything from them since. It could be building stuff, obviously, but the losers in these cases is often retail when VCs make bad investments and they don't do the correct due diligence. So this might not be the story to make that claim, but I do think it's pretty prevalent within crypto and something we should draw more attention to. We got to give Will the last word. We'll leave it there. Well said, well articulated, well played by you, Mr. Devil's Advocate. We're glad you're here. (laughs) All right. Happy Friday, everybody. That's the end of the show. This has been The Hash. (laughs) We've been really happy to have you here all week. Welcome to August. Have a great weekend. All that good jazz. (laughs) I'm Zach. That's Will. Jen's here. Check us out on the podcast network. Keep watching us where you can see us chit chat every weekday here Mm -hmm. at noon. Eastern. Thanks so much. Again, have a great weekend. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.